0: Welcome back to MeStech Missions. This is Jake, and I'm going to continue with you on our, the exploration of our team strategy. And We've already outlined for you how we move towards church planting and the ways that we do that, why we have off-ramps on, on our strategy. Today, I want to talk to you about leadership, uh, namely, what is Mestec leadership in our culture, what does leadership look like, but also how we develop leaders on our team. Leadership, MISTECH leadership is not like, uh, like American leadership. As you can imagine, in an indigenous culture, there is usually one or a few that hold the power. Uh, what is interesting, what we've had to learn is that these few do allow everybody to have the opportunity to speak, which is very important to understand Because a MISTECH meeting is going to take a long time, usually because every person uh, has the opportunity to share what they think, male or female, which is an important observation that we've had to make. Uh, What we have done typically in the past, when we've been asked to teach on a given uh, topic or if they're... Uh, If a group is considering uh, how to make a certain decision, they will ask us what what we think, and we will share our opinion. And uh, usually, we try to point them to different texts in Scripture for them to see what the Scripture says. But in the end, we allow them to make the decision based on their own opinion, basically whether or not they're going to take our advice uh, rooted in Scripture, whether they're going to choose to go a different way. One of these examples of this was when we were asked about church leadership a few years ago. And so Chris and I, we gave uh, a series of teaching on uh, ecclesiology from the New Testament. And at the end of that, after he and I both shared what we uh, believed to be biblical ecclesiology, uh, they thanked us. And then the group proceeded to, to speak for the rest of the time in Mistec instead of in Spanish. And then at the end, it was just over. There was, there was nothing left to discuss. They didn't come to a decision. They didn't make any changes. In fact, we walked away looking at each other going, what just happened? And then six months later, they came back to us and said, you know what y'all said six months ago about biblical ecclesiology? And we're like, no. Well, we've gone ahead and uh, appointed leaders in our church based upon what you guys talked about. And we were, we were kind of shocked with that because we we're like, we didn't get that impression while we were there. But that was when we were beginning to understand how, how MISTEX make decisions. They make decisions in a group because it is a strong group culture. Whereas we uh, make decisions, uh, personal decisions on an individual level most often because we feel that uh, the personal opinion is most important. Whereas in Miestec culture, in this culture, the personal opinion is less important than the group opinion. And so there is this balance that, that they, they go through, this fine line where they want to hear what everybody has to say. And so everybody, they go around the circle. Everybody gets the, the opportunity to express their opinion. And most often when they're expressing their opinion, uh, it is usually a 10 to 20 minute at least monologue about what they think that should happen about this situation. And then after every person, after the the hour or two of each person going around the circle telling what they think, then whoever is the recognized leader of the group, because there's always a recognized leader, and he is usually silent until the end. And then he or she, if it is a woman, will will summarize what everybody's thinking, and then they'll just break. And conversations regarding that subject or that that decision that has to be made will go on for a long time. As I told you in in our case, in the story of uh, the biblical ecclesiology, it took them at least six months to come to a decision and act upon it. What is hard for many Americans is that this is the way that it is done, and you can't rush a decision. In fact, they would rather make no decision than to rush a decision. And so if you're working with MISTEX in the United States or if you're working with an indigenous people group in the United States or even in other places around the world, you're gonna realize, need to realize that most often, decision-making and leadership is gonna look very different. And if you're trying to impose upon them a collaborative style in the sense that everybody makes, everybody's voice gets heard equally well, you're going to misunderstand what it means, what's happening when they go around the circle. So, yes, everybody's voice is being heard, heard, but not all voices carry the same weight. And in the end, it will be the recognized leader who will eventually make a decision. But his or her decision will be based upon all of the opinions that he has just heard. And so this is a, a, a very crude... Um, explanation of leadership in this culture. So let me review. Uh, strong group culture, strong group decisions. Everybody gets a voice, but the leader is the one who finally makes the decision. And so that's how it looks. And so uh, we have found even in our the, the churches that we know in the area, what does that look like? Well, most of the pastors, if not all of them in this area, uh, have a strong pastor at a strong mother church uh, in the city somewhere, whether it's as close as uh, as Tilapa two hours away, whether it is in Puebla or Mexico City or in Acapulco or wherever it may be, uh, what we have found is the real leader is usually not the one that is present. So what does that mean? Well, it means that in most places there is a local pastor who oversees the church in what the Spanish term would be, encargado, the, the one who's in charge. Now, he's given the title pastor, most likely, uh, but he is not given the authority of a pastor, most likely, because that authority is not shared by uh, what he would call his patrón, his, his boss, which is the, the head pastor at the mother church that planted the church here. Whether or not you agree with that ecclesiology is probably not the point of today's uh, podcast, but rather how do you work in a leadership structure like that? So in, in places where we have developed relationships with local believers and local pastors, uh, we, when we see that they don't baptize and they don't perform the Lord's Supper and uh, when they don't make decisions on a, a local level, we begin to start asking questions. We've, we, we have in the past start asking questions. Why is it that you don't baptize? Why is it that you can't make decisions uh, on your own? And, 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 and in, in, in this regard, it's very enlightening because in their culture, they're not allowed to. Pastors just not allowed to. There are many reasons for that, and and once again, that is not necessarily the point of today's podcast, but it is important for you to understand that if you're working with a culture like this, or even this same culture that we're working with, most often than not, there's somebody else who is the real leader, and the the, the pastor uh, most likely will have someone else to whom he looks to to make decisions. Now, in regard to like being able to baptize, local pastors here most often than not don't, don't baptize. Why? Because in this culture, uh, you have to be uh, ordained to baptize or do the Lord's Supper. And in, in order to be ordained, you have to be a seminary graduate in most cases. And so that prevents most of our indigenous brothers from becoming a... a ordained pastor capable of or privileged with the honor of leading his church to baptize and perform the Lord's Supper and make decisions for themselves. And therefore, there is a strong control on him from the outside church. And so whenever they have people who are ready to be baptized, what happens? Well, the pastor, the local pastor calls the the pastor of the mother church, and the pastor of the mother church will send Uh, someone from the church that he is an associate pastor or someone else that he has recognized or if he cannot come on his own and those people will perform the baptisms. This is very, very important because you're going to be very frustrated uh, and there's going to be some conflict if you begin to, for instance, in our case, when we have at times uh, baptized for or taught for or helped to make decisions for uh, without knowing this this pattern of leadership, that there is outside authority in most cases, what has happened is we, there's been conflict where the outside pastor comes in very upset, believing that we are trying to steal his sheep from him. is, is almost the, always the common phrase. When that's not our intention at all, we're trying to help that local church be be autonomous, to be healthy, and for that local pastor to lead his church. Once again, we, we kind of decentralize power in our, in, in our culture. And we like the individual to have power to make decisions. And so we bring that into our ecclesiology. And so oftentimes we are including that local pastor. Well, you're the local pastor. You need to make this decision. And he's feeling very uncomfortable with that because he is remembering that he has somebody over him. And so strong group culture, strong group ecclesiology versus individualistic culture, individualistic ecclesiology. Now, this is a very uh, simplified, maybe even a reductionistic perspective on the topic. But it is helpful for you to understand that uh, you're going to come into every situation with every local church or every uh, that there's going to be a different leadership structure than what you're used to. And, therefore, there's going to be a different understanding of ecclesiology, specifically what is healthy biblical leadership. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a a, a biblical pattern in Scripture, but... But I would suggest that even amongst our own Baptist churches, there's differences of opinion on, ba- on, on, on leadership structure, whether that be a, a single pastor or a plural pastor or an elder church-led, specifically in, in our denomination. But in other denominations, there's other governmental or leadership structures. And so what we're seeing here is there's a difference of opinion, even amongst people in our own culture who, who, who love Jesus and believe the word. And yet there's some differences of opinion. And so crossing cultures into a culture where decisions are made differently. And so, yes, there is a strong leader in the pastor, perhaps but he is gathering information and ultimately if if the this local pastor doesn't have the, the ability to make the decision for himself he's going to take that information to his leader and get and ultimately will make the decision based upon what his leader tells him to do this can be very frustrating why well, because you see that there is an impotence in, 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 in biblical leader in, in the biblical leader or in the leader of the church, in his inability to make decisions. And we've had pastors say, What I hear you telling me is true and I believe it, but I can't do it because my leader is telling me not to. Uh, that's very frustrating. The other frustrating thing for us is we like rapid multiplication we like we like results that that happen now and when when a local leader or a local church is forced to uh wait it out to move slowly to give everybody a voice and it, even if they have to go to someone outside of the local group to find an answer ultimately that means we have to wait we have to wait and there's nothing wrong with that. Even I, I could, it's, it's a different context because it's talking about salvation, but even Jesus said, you need to count the cost. Like, there, there doesn't have to be an immediate decision made in most most situations. We can learn from our indigenous brothers and sisters that time, uh, waiting things out and going slowly can be very beneficial to making a sound, wise Biblical decision, and so that's our experiences with our our, our brothers and sisters is that uh, leadership is not shared, but a good leader listens. And I would venture to say that that's probably the way good leadership should be. Right, that a good leader is a good listener. Maybe the best illustration would be that he is a chief among equals. Or we can look to uh, the idea of King Arthur, the, the king who sat around a round table, uh, in essence saying everybody here at the table is equal, although the king really has the last voice. As a chief among equals, which is essentially what we are trying to be and what we're hoping that the, the, the leaders that we develop become, is this idea that we all come to the table— Full of the Spirit, with the Word of God, with life experience, and my brother, or my sister is able to contribute just as much as I can. Now I may uh, have the benefit of, of. Uh, a, a, an advanced degree and decades of experience and things like that, and I bring that to the table and I share from the the knowledge that I've acquired through advanced degrees and and and, and also through life experience, ministry experience. But in all of these circumstances, there are other people who come to the table with something to offer, and so our, this indigenous way of, of of making decisions is really. Biblical, I think, in a sense that it, it values the priesthood of the believer. Everybody gets a right to speak. Every voice is heard. And then in the end, uh, sometimes the leader just has to make his or her best call. And whatever the su- subject may be, in um, a good leader, especially, you know, in, in all cultures, a good leader is after having heard what everybody has said if his or her opinion is not the majority opinion and they have been persuaded are able to step away from what they would have done and go at it at a different in a different way so how do we make leaders? Well, uh, most of our leadership structure or, 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 or development, uh, although we are not officially into our official phase four leadership development phase, uh, we have been developing leaders for the last year. Uh, intentional, but kind of uh, unofficially, intentionally unofficially, that's maybe the way we should put it. Intentionally making disciples, uh, developing the, these leaders, Uh, but unofficially without it being titled leadership development, because really it is a long process. We don't use a curriculum. Like we don't use a curriculum, a specific curriculum for evangelism or discipleship. Uh, We don't use a specific curriculum. We want our leadership development to flow out of our discipleship in that it is very organic and very life on life. And so Uh, we spend lots of time with the men that we are leading. It is impossible, as you would in discipleship, uh, to to really make a disciple apart from spending time with them outside of the official two-hour-a-week Bible study. Uh, We are spending time with the brothers. In fact, uh, today, Chris and one of our hands-on students are helping one of the brothers build a house. And so they're bucketing dirt and when i passed by them just uh an hour ago i stopped by to say hi and they were on break and they were sitting around talking about life and ministry decisions how would this old chris is asking this this brother uh there's this specific issue with this specific family how do you think we should handle it and so this brother now is is sharing with chris from his experience and his knowledge of his culture, what he thinks should be done in this situation. And then they'll make a decision. Ultimately, Chris will make a decision for himself because his brother is not going to be going with him to deal with this situation with his family. But most likely, Chris is just going to bring into, uh, into his knowledge field this, um, uh, the knowledge that this brother's bringing. And that's going to influence the decision that he makes. But all I have to say is, when we make disciples, our disciples are, excuse me, specifically leaders, we're speaking specifically leaders, our leadership development is going to follow our same uh, disciple making strategy, and that is this life on life, spending time with them, using real life examples to help them walk through difficult situations. And so we help them walk through these difficult situations, modeling for them. The way decisions should be made. That none of us work in isolation. That none of us are making decisions that just affect ourselves. That a good leader asks for for advice. What we do in our team is uh, Chris, Daniel, and myself. We all meet regularly and make decisions together. And then we share also the teaching. And so most of these men uh, that are in our group have come into our group because of the work of one of us, but then the entire group sees a shared leadership in that they recognize that as team leader, I, I, I have some certain authority, but they also see that I never exercise it that uh, I, fu- I push them towards Chris and Daniel when they have hard decisions or when they want to learn something or they have questions that they need answered. They see that they're, you know, that Chris and Daniel are given full authority to, to teach and, and to, to lead and to serve uh, as a leader to, uh, as if I would. And so we're, we're, as we said before, we're talking about life on life and we're talking about modeling. Now understand this just basic indigenous pedagogy where the ways that the principles of teaching, the way that they learn in this, in this kind of culture is the way that you're going to make leaders in this kind of culture under that. This is a non-literate. So pulling out a book on leadership, uh, John Maxwell, or Henry Blackaby's Spiritual Leadership, or whatever it is your favorite book on leadership may be, uh, bringing that out and doing a book study on leadership is not going to work. Just like bull- pulling out your favorite uh, discipleship curriculum, uh, fill in the blank uh, that you would use in the States, using that in a culture like this is not going to work. It's not that they can't read. It's not th- It's that... They don't. That's not how they learn. In fact, when you go back to seeing how they learned in school, how did they learn in school? There was a, a teacher at the front who wrote everything on the board, and the people, the students in the desk, they memorized what the teacher said. And that's how they learned, through rote memorization. Now, we are trying to push them uh, past that, uh, taking a look at Bloom's taxonomy and seeing that there are diff- deeper uh levels of learning that are, that are not being touched in the public schools in this culture all right um that 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 the ability to analyze and evaluate and, and to go deeper in knowledge than just basic mere transformation uh, transferal of knowledge is necessary because one it's better but two it's just not it it, it just it's helpful um and so we look at this and we go, how do we make leaders in this culture? Well, it can't be a curriculum-based because that's not how they learn. It is going to be life on life. It is going to be modeled. It's going to be with real-life illustrations. It's going to be uh, in the moment, real-time. Uh, think about how Jesus made disciples. Jesus made disciples, which ultimately came the leaders of the, of the early church and the leaders by whom the world was initially reached. Uh, these men learned by Jesus in a similar fashion. Our culture has more in common with Jesus' first century Israel than it does than, than, than 21st century United States. Let me say that again. This culture has more in common with Jesus' culture than your culture has in common with Jesus' culture. And so we follow that example life on life, modeled in real time, uh, looking for teachable moments as we go, spending more time with that new and developing leader through uh, through life on life. So what do you do where you're at? You take them with you everywhere you go. Now, one of the local pastors in the area is is the very best that I've ever seen. Wherever he goes, there is a group of five to eight men in his church they go with him everywhere. If he's going to go make an evangelistic visit, they go with him. If he's going to go pray for someone who is sick, they go with him. If he's going to go meet with the the town officials, they go with him. What is he doing? Besides just making those disciples, he is modeling for them how they should lead. And that is how to make leaders, excuse me. He's modeling for them how to make leaders. And so in this culture, making leaders means you watch the leader do it. And so we take them everywhere. They're going to go with us when we go to the, visit the local churches in the area. They're going to go with us to make evangelistic visits. In fact, uh, tonight we're starting a new evangelism story group in another town. And one of the men in the church is going to go with us to participate in that. Why? Because we're showing him along the way how to do it. Leadership development in this culture is it, it, is, it is essential that it is not limited to the transferal of knowledge, a lead, reading a leadership book or going through a curriculum. It must be life on life. And it must be real time, looking for teachable moments as you go. so in summary, this is how we make disciples. We make disciples as they see us in action. They see how we relate to one another. They see how we share authority. We see how none of us puts ourselves above the others. Yes, there may be a chief among equals, but that doesn't mean that that chief is the Lord of all and that is how we operate. And so I want to end with 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 this that that as you are considering making leaders of new pastors wherever you may be consider the amount of time you're spending with them and how much of your life you are revealing to them. Encourage them to share leadership and encourage them to help new leaders be developed. They don't need to be afraid of limiting their authority in order to help another young leader develop. They need to learn to give opportunities to new and developing leaders. And they need to be able to uh, see, On oh, this is the last thing I should have put it out, they need to see you fail and how you handle with failure. Uh, they need to see you apologize. They need to see you confess. And they need to see you uh, learn how to pray. They need to see you learn how to, and it and is just take them with you. And if you, if they are with you, they are going to see you fail because it's just a matter of time. And that's good because also failure is a teachable moment. And so this is how our team makes leaders and, uh, really appreciate the opportunity getting to share that with you. Uh, feel free to leave your comments in the comment section and uh, just look forward to sharing with you again uh, next week about a different aspect of our team strategy. Have a great day.